Welcome to the Share Life Podcast with Jason Scott Montoya, where we explore stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. My name is Jason Scott Montoya, and I'm here with Addison Blue Williams. Addison is a comedy screenwriter, special operations combat veteran, a former professional gamer, musician, member of Mensa, entrepreneur, writer. Um, what else? <laughs> <laughs> uh, by day, I'm a marketing strategist. So, uh, Well, uh, we want to talk today about Movie Shapes. Uh, movie Shapes is a better way to find, review, and share movies you love or don't. Um, I'm Jason Scott Montoya. I'm also a, a digital marketer, a freelancer, written a couple books on freelancing and small business, and also a lover of movies. And uh, part of how me and Addison intersected um, was our love uh, and value of movies, as well as our varying points of view on them. And uh, and so really, we've been discussing movies ever ever since we met many years ago. And last year when we were discussing Endgame and the things we liked about it and the issues we had with it, um, I, I wrote some emails, you wrote some emails, and then you started to build a spreadsheet and I started to work on that spreadsheet and then we workshopped that further and, and, uh, and all of a sudden movie shapes came out. So what do you recollect from that time? How, how did that come to be? Why did you decide to start a spreadsheet from our conversation? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I remember the pain point was thinking uh, you'd make a a fair point and I'd read it and I'd say, okay, but I don't care about that part uh, as much as you do. And so I thought, you know what, if I just list out for Jason the stuff I care about most, like I rank it and put the stuff I don't care about and I rank that, then Jason would say, okay, well, while I, Jason, care much about that, Addison does not. So it will not be helpful to tell, to point out to Addison, like, hey, it has great X when Addison's mostly concerned about feature Y. And yeah. what what's interesting is since creating it, we've been mostly interested in learn, <laughs> learning uh, what we uh, what features we like more than we are about just summarizing a movie as a good or bad movie alone. Um, so it's made the discussions much more interesting. I think we can talk about any movie instead of just being like, Oh, you hate it. And I like it. We, we don't share anything. We can be like, we can say something new, like, um, Oh, you, you like it. And I don't, does that match up with our preferences or do we have some sort of bias here? Are we yeah. wrong about ourselves? So, yeah, and so there's a there's an aspect of of us understanding who we are and understanding who someone else is, and then where we intersect in in agreement and disagreement. But it's it's not so much that um, that when it, it's I think what I've learned is how how um, subjective our qualitative assessment of movies is, and how much of it. Uh, there, there perhaps are some maybe more objective elements we might find agreement on, but I think a lot of it, if it gets, um, is, is hidden by the subjectivity that is driving those conversations. So just to give people listening an example of, of our difference. So your, your number one cross attribute in the movie shapes, and we're going to jump into the attributes later, but your top is dialogue clarity. So that is your most (laughs) important um, factor in a movie and mine is character depth so if 
you know, and, and there are other factors too that we consider, but if you're just looking at through those two, um, obviously we're looking at the movie with completely different eyes in, in a way, and that's okay. It's not, we're not trying to say that one is better than the other, but it's rather to understand what it is I'm looking for and why I particularly like that thing I'm looking at, right? Yeah, I think even that's great because right off the bat, we could just do this basic thought experiment. Could we imagine a movie where the dialogue is really clear, but the characters are really shallow? Yeah. Or, or a movie where the characters are really complex, but nothing they say makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that would be the test is, okay, well, how do Addison and Jason feel about those films? Yeah. And the idea, the ability to create a language, the movie shapes language that allows us to discuss these things and then to slice them apart and then to reassemble them. So it's like a deconstructive, constructive exercise. And we understand that it's not as clean as, as it might be. In, in the variables that we've created, but though they act as a, as a thinking exercise to at least evaluate um, them in a, maybe a scientific way, if you would, <laughs> or at a laboratory, so to speak. Yeah, what we're, that's a good way of putting it, the scientific way. We're trying to take something like um, aesthetic and turn it into a personality test because even personalities, right? people have been doing psychoanalysis for 120 years or so. And even then we're still coming up with better nomenclature. And uh, a lot of art still gets to live in a very philosophical area, but we can be really practical here. We can talk nuts and bolts. Do you like what you see? Do you like what you hear? Uh, what do you care about? So yeah. I think we're in phase one now uh, where we're actually just kind of penciling it in and handwriting all the answers. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, we want to come up with like a really good personality test, like a Myers-Briggs level quality yeah. uh, for movies. Yeah. And, and really just being able to um, to make it easy for people to, to use the, the framework and um, and then to be able to ultimately it's it's understand why I like movies and why I don't to, to, to review them in that through that lens. But it's also a sharing mechanism. So through this exercise. I have more clarity on the types of movies you like and, and vice versa. And so if I'm going to recommend a movie, I can recommend it through that lens. Like, Hey, I think you would like this movie um, for this reason or that reason, based on your shape, even though my shape is different and I didn't care for that movie as much. I think you would actually like it more than I did or vice versa. That's a great point. Um, I think this actually reminds me of a Martin Scorsese uh comment from earlier this week he had said that he was uh kind of bummed that people were thinking of movies strictly as content now and that yeah. it was really an algorithm filling out things about like genre uh or spectacle and things like that and what's great about our system is that it it actually says what if we went back to curation right like where uh, a person would still decide what is an, an objectively good movie, but then they could still match you with that uh, curated film that's mm -hmm. best for you. There's not enough time in the day to watch every good movie. Yeah. Um, so for, yeah. So for me, I, you know, when I think about like general systems like IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or even Netflix to a lesser degree, but when I think about the first two more, um, you know, they, they say a movie is good or not and you have the critics and the users, but there's a limitation and in, 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 in my mind, it feels like that's a reactive assessment 
of whether a movie is good and it's too broad and it's and its numbers um and i think what we're trying to do is say who are you and then and then create a system that that um, sort of snipers into to you um, and, and your preferences, as opposed to this generic thing that, you know, the Rotten Tomato score, perhaps it's it's a variable to consider, and we don't necessarily try, we're not trying to replace that, um, but it's just so broad and generic that it's it's a difficult tool for for people that love movies. Maybe for casual people, it's a better tool. Maybe that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um... Because ultimately, there are going to be some people who don't maybe don't want to look under the hood this much. Um, and in that way, a lot of this can eventually be automated, right? Like you click thumbs up on a Netflix movie, it's going to be like, uh, I kind of bet you liked these elements. Um, yeah. Thinking like Pandora music or when you're using Apple music, yeah. Yeah. kind of starts to figure out what you like. Um, the crazy thing is a lot of movies... Um, the way they've broken it down is based on only a very limited set of data because they're using the things that they already know about movies, the cast. So for mm -hmm. example, they're like, Oh, people like uh, Will Smith cop movies and fantasy movies. So they made um, what's the fantasy bright. bright. They made yeah. bright and it flopped. They were like, how could this happen? People who loved Lord of the Rings and bad boys didn't like, right yeah. <laughs> well, there's a little bit more to it than that we love lord of the rings for different reasons than we love yeah. uh bad boys and um <laughs> it yeah and it will well, show uh, up better in our in yeah our and, uh, another example i recently watched the rhythm section which is a kind of a spy thriller which got brutal reviews on rotten tomatoes and elsewhere but i i liked it um and a lot of the reviews said it wasn't anything new. It wasn't novel. I and mean, that's one of our attributes is novelty, but I don't, I have a low novelty score, so I don't necessarily need a movie to be new or different. I just want it to be good in the sense of what I think is good. And I saw the performance, the character and the visuals as top, the top three movie uh, values. And then the top three audience preferences, believability, clarity, and impact. So, um, mm -hmm. but it did, if you had a, if you have a high novelty need, then you wouldn't have liked that movie. Um, and so, you know, that's an example of, of that playing out. That's a, that's a good example. I watched a foreign film. It was, it was okay. It was called border. It's um, Swedish and yeah. it is a, like a fantasy thriller film. Um, and it has to do some similarities to a project I'm working on, but it didn't have, it really didn't share almost any of my top attributes just because it was mostly about setting and novelty um, and novelty and setting are both very low attributes on mine. So while I was like, okay, I'm gonna get outside my comfort zone and appreciate what's good in this, uh, it just didn't grab me. It didn't, you know, put tears in my eyes or anything. Uh, yeah, the way I would expect other, you mm -hmm. know, films with more of the things I care about, like dialogue, yeah, clarity and story, those mm -hmm. kinds of things. And I think we're also we're tapping into something that I think does happen organically, which is um, friend referral, movie referrals from friends. Um, so I think to some degree, we tend to, you know, have friends and circles that, um, that share certain of values. Um, I think certain critics you might follow along either on Twitter or other places and, and they're the movies they suggest you're like, Oh yeah, that's good. That's good. And there, there's something happening there, but it's, it's organic. It's not formalized. And I think what we're trying to do is go, what's happening there. And could we manufacture, sort of facilitate that, 
um, in an intentional way versus it just being an accident for certain people that stumble upon it. Yeah, to an extent, we're going to eliminate some of the arguments that are happening because when people say, uh, when people say certain things, a lot of times they're using a word that has multiple meanings, right? Um, mm -hmm. So that is the challenge. They'll say that movie is has no depth, and it might actually have depth in four out of seven categories. Yeah. Uh, but that person was meaning depth in three specific areas, mm -hmm. and you know, yeah. I don't want to take the wind out of the sails of people who love to argue. <laughs> yeah about yeah movies, but but yeah because there's a difference between character depth story depth visual depth like all of those and that's what we're trying to account for is those variants yeah because there will be somebody who saw the other spot where there was depth and they'll be like what are you talking about are you even watching the same movie uh yeah. but the word depth really applies to a lot of different features so yeah and and the system allows us to kind of look at it at a high level and maybe just talk about depth. But then if you want, if you get that in that disagreement, then you can get, slice it in. And I think, I think generally speaking, we can, we can generally agree on the strengths or the top, um, the most worthwhile elements of a movie. Um, I think we can have general agreement on those when there is, it's usually a, a definition like, well, how are you looking at it? And within what la uh, layer, um, but that, that gives us a tool to actually work through that versus just both people just kind of being stuck. Um, but I think like me and you would maybe look at a Snyder, uh, you know, a Zack Snyder type movie and go visual is going to be a, a high um, priority element for his movies. That's sort of a, a trademark of his. And if depending on how the other factors tie in might determine whether or not that that's something you want or not. Um, so, but, but I think that's the point I'm trying to make, even though we might evaluate the movie differently, we can generally agree that visual is one of the strong elements of it. That's a great way of putting it. Um, I've done some judging for say film festivals before, like, you know, so I kind of used to breaking it down, but even there, there is this requirement that it, even if you don't like something for taste and you're a judge, you must actually be able to explain how something is critically broken about why it, you know, like, oh, if I'm giving the sound a score less than say five out of 10, I need to be able to explain that like, hey, I could hear static or like background noise from the person carrying the mic. Yeah. Um, otherwise it's still just a matter of taste. There's really a floor mm -hmm. for taste. And then after that it is production value. So uh, what I mean by that is there are gonna be some movies that are universally bad, no matter what shape your shape, it, like what form your preferences take, there are still gonna be movies that you agree are, are generally worse or generally better even with somebody with completely different preferences right yeah um so for the most part i'm not trying to make everybody angry but uh there are just going to be classic films that more people are going to relate to even mm -hmm. if they're just completely different viewers right yeah so. yeah so and that's and you know there's a there is an, uh, one of the variables is relevance um, and investment is another. And, and th there are some of the variables that are, that are they, they shift. There's a sh an aspect of it that's not as um, objective or, or, or evergreen as some of the other variables. So uh, movies, our, our relationship with the movie could actually change become a, because of some of those variables over time as well. That's a good point. Um the people's relationship with um what's the guy the actor from house of cards oh um, kevin spacey 
Yeah, Kevin Spacey, it's going to be a lot harder to watch something like American mm-hmm. Beauty now where you're like, oh, he you know, did have real predatorial behavior. Mm-hmm. So now that movie takes on a completely new tone. Yeah, so that, that and I don't know if that, yeah, how, what variable specifically, but yeah, that relevant factor changes. Relevance things. and investment because, yeah, people are going to be negatively invested in the film, uh, especially because a theme of the film is that there is someone suspicious that he is, you know, yeah preying on someone yeah and someone uh, who watches that movie in a hundred years doesn't have the visceral experience of that scandal unfolding and so they're going to watch it differently than we would because we were here when it happened right yep and people who watched it when it came out and had no idea yeah. they saw it differently as well so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see some of those subjective ones change over time um and also to see what's happening now to canonical films um you know I've seen some people start to say that they're not very into Jaws, but a big chunk of that is that a lot of the things that um, are in Jaws that are really great um, were great because of novelty. But if you saw all the movies that knocked off, you know, that stole from Jaws, if you saw those first, because you're that young, um, then Jaws looks like the derivative film. So novelty, if that matters to you, it's going to affect the order that you watch movies in your life. Whereas if, if you cared about the characters, I would say Jaws is probably a high character film in terms of attribute. Um, that doesn't go away with time or, or even in order of watching it. Character so. stays, but novelty is going to completely depend the order in which you've watched films. <laughs> yeah. So there's a character depth there that, that, um, that you could get. And, um, and I think that's one of the challenges too, is like when I think about all the streaming, all the movies I have not seen, and me and you both have a lot of kids, you have four and I have five. So, and we both uh, you know, do a lot of great work. So we're limited in how much time we can just sit and watch movies. <laughs> so we have to pick, like every pick is like life and death, you know, <laughs> this is two hours. If I get to waste it or is it going to be worthwhile? And so knowing that, like we have to be more selective than perhaps our more uh, abundant time selves in our past um so how do we do that and how do we do that for ourselves and for others and uh within that limitation is is the opportunity here with movie shapes exactly that's economical watching yeah (laughs) and uh i totally understand the idea that people want to kind of they they understand that they're still a work in progress too that their shape is going to change so what's cool is that um the stage that it's in now, if you, do you mind if I start talking about yeah. a little bit of the, the process? Yeah. Um, so the way it works now is we're in the, the actual like really gritty details. In fact, if you want to pull up the, the screen, we can look at the sheet. Yeah. Um, oh, so the actual, the actual prototype or the website? Or you could go down on the, on the, this is the site for the movie shape site where you can walk through how we got here and what this takes. Um, if you get down to the spreadsheet part, I think it's just below that. Oh, I see. Well, we have the elements, um, but I'll just switch over to the, yeah. the sheet here. Yeah. We're, we've started at the stage where we look as deeply and, and graphically as possible. And the reason is, is because we want to be um, really scientific at the beginning. And this is really, <laughs> uh, it's a passion project, but the goal is to make sure that we get this calibrated um now and that our early adopters are using this similarly to how we are so there's kind of um 
a cool common language. So the type of person who this is going to interest now is somebody who uh, knows that they know a lot of movies. They're interested in figuring out what they like and don't like about movies. They have strong opinions that <laughs> would make you a better candidate. If you watch a lot of movies and you say after every movie, I love, I love every movie, then cool. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we could work with you, but your shape is going to be really, uh, it's going to be a perfect circle really. Um, yeah. And yeah, um, versus a distinct, um, a distinct one. And, right. and, you know, we may even find that there are patterns as more people start to use it. Like there's almost like, um, categorical, uh, patterns among groups of people. And, and you find your story groups and your character groups and your audio groups and, and also combos like a story dialogue group, which would be you. Right. So, um, so that's an interesting dynamic that could also unfold, but to, to enough people fill it out and we get to see those, those patterns, which is. Right. So no we've got to, we're doing this, the, the handheld way, the, it's almost pencil and paper. It's really Google docs, but um, yeah, it is just going to be coming in and being self-reflective and saying, you know, how much do I care about um, dialogue? How much mm -hmm. do I care about character? How much do I care about story? And we get it. These things don't perfectly separate from each other, right? Good characters help make a story better. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to be able to, to make some gut yeah. distinctions. And I'll even give a hint about how I filled it out. I don't know if this was how you did, Jason, but what I would do is uh, I took a, I opened up a document and I wrote down all my favorite moments in movies. Yeah. And I said, what was happening then? Uh, yeah. And I, in fact, I went on to YouTube and watched a lot of them over and was like, oh, is, okay, did I, is it really good audio? Is it really clear? Is it really great visuals? Yeah. What's, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, and I rated it accordingly. And if there was something that didn't pop up, consistently didn't pop up in my mm. favorite clips, I just put a lower rating, a lower number. Yeah. Um, so not just, we, not just favorite movies, but favorite movie moments is what you're saying. I did. Yeah. I went yeah. to the exact moments. Yeah. Um, so I went to the, um, I went to like uh, Lord of the Rings, the, the fight in front of Gondor all the way yeah. from the beginning to like, I am no man. And she cuts off the oh, uh, yeah. King's head yeah. And, or in return of the Jedi where Luke goes with Darth Vader on Endor, you know, in the elevator all the way until he beats him, chops off Darth Vader's hand and then still says yeah. I quit. Yeah. That kind of stuff for me was revealing because I said, oh my gosh, these have a similar, they have a lot of similar traits and they're, and they don't have some of the, they also lack some of the same things, but I didn't care. Yeah. Um, and then when we had to refine our list, my list came out where I said I liked too many things. It, it wasn't distinct enough. I think I mm -hmm. thought of myself as too positive. Yeah. When I had to go back and take some of the points off, I actually went and thought, what are the biggest disappoint, disappointing mm. moments in movies and what were what was working and what wasn't working in those and I flipped them. So mm. yeah. Yeah. Those are some good tips. I don't, I don't want to dog on somebody's favorite movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's um, yeah. I mean, it, it allows for um, I, I like, I, for example, I think when you, when you talk about clarity and depth, I think sometimes when you go one direction, you can lose the other just from a practical creation standpoint, novelty yeah. and, an investment probably have a little bit of a, a similar dynamic there. Um, 
so the, the point being is that as a creator, we have to make decisions and, and sometimes there's trade-offs in those decisions. And, um, and perhaps there are some that are, are skilled enough to be able to, 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 to um, do them both. But, but it does seem like if you, you know, you, you, there's a trade-off. Now, I think a great, a great, a universally great movie would be one where they, they are strong in a lot of the areas and that we have a hard time figuring out which ones are the most worthwhile because it's, it's strong in, in multiple areas beyond just the, the top ones. So, um, and so in other words, when we evaluate a movie saying what the top ones are, isn't to necessarily say that the non top ones are bad. It's just that they may, maybe not as good, although in some cases they could be bad as well. So <laughs> <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um, and it, you bring up a, a good point because uh, there are some where the strengths are so strong that the weaknesses are overlooked. So yeah. um, that's the cool thing about a really good shape is if it matches up perfectly, um, you'll feel like it's a 100% film. Even if it's a yeah. 90% quality film, you'll, you forgive yeah. the 10% that's lacking because you matched up, you synced up. Yeah, and I do think that when it's lacking in the things that we care about, we tend to... Um, from a lot of the critical reviews I've seen, uh, critics tend to nitpick things that are actually irrelevant to what it is they, that, that upsets them. It's almost like they don't know where to direct their wrath. So they just nitpick things that almost seem like silly, if that makes sense. That's a great point. Um, I have, I've been reading a lot of television and film reviews, um, you know, because I, I, I like to keep up with what's popular and why, uh, yeah. not just from an analytical standpoint, like we're using, but I just want to see socially, what, what are people liking? Yeah. Um, and you're right. A lot of the headlines now will single out something that really doesn't, it doesn't have enough, uh, volume to occupy the whole article. You know, it'll yeah. be like yeah. such and such a film falls flat because of its lead. And then you open up and they're like, Oh, the lead, um, has this one really dumb line and you're like that yeah. that to you was falling flat um but you know if that really destroys character or dialogue for them um or it was really a ding on investment or believability and that was like yeah. just all they cared about then yeah a lot of the rest of it is them trying to justify yeah uh, that one thing they cared about they're, trying <laughs> yeah. to, they're coming up with all these other reasons that that are really inferior reasons when really they should be writing a whole thing about here's why I care about the believability of the line. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and there, and our relationship to it affects that as well. Um, and in terms of uh, properties that are, that are larger than just a single movie. So, so let's jump into the, the specific elements. So with movie shapes, we have a collection of values, movie values, um, character, story, setting, dialogue, performance, visual, audio. So those are the what we consider the fundamentals of a movie, or it could be a television show, but a visual medium. Those are the fundamentals from uh, the movie values. And we do understand that, you know, we could split off audio into sound and music, or um, you know, the um, uh, performance, you know, is, is there's different types of performances and visuals. There's the special effects and the video. Like we understand there's a lot of layers to this, but we wanted to get the core values that encompass them all. Um, 
and be distinguished enough that they are different than each other versus overlapping. And there still is some overlap, um, but those are the movie values. And then we have the second set, which is what we call the audience attributes, which is relevance. And we're gonna dive into the definitions of these, but relevance, novelty, clarity, impact, believability, depth, and investment. So those um, shape, um, those are in a lot of ways are us, you know, the first is about the movie and the second is about us. And, and the idea of the shape is to intersect us with the movie in a way that, that creates a, a helpful um, visualization. And, um, and if and people saw the graveyard of all the attributes we said we had to throw out, they'd be, they'd say, okay, I yeah. get it. You put a lot. <laughs> yeah. We had to com combine and consolidate and relabel and, and even could probably continue to wrestle with these. And so when it comes to the movie shapes, there's there's seven, and then there's seven audience attributes. So that worked out real nicely for us. Um, but with the 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 movie uh, values, the seven there's there's two set there's two sec two groups of the seven. The first is what I would consider the story elements, which would be universal to any story, regardless of medium. So that's the character. Um, that includes the character, their development, their being. The story, this includes the conflict experiences and story resolution. The setting, this includes the context of the story and characters, genre of the film and other related elements. And there is an interesting, you know, tension between story and setting, like what is story and what is setting? You know, there is an overlay there that can be debated. And then we've got dialogue, the written lines of dialogue actually spoken, not how they are performed. Um, now I want to kind of talk, lean into dialogue. So that um, that's something I didn't have, you know, that you added specifically you fought for. Um, and it also happens to be one of your top um, values. Um, so why, why is that its own distinct thing? Um, and why did you fight for that? Well, that's a great question. Um, essentially with uh, dialogue, it's the, best way to talk about um, what is actually going on in the, the story and the character. So if we had a film that is no dialogue, no, no spoken lines, um, then yes, we can still get something through the visual medium on character story setting. There's, there are great films with no dialogue. Uh, but when people actually express their inner thoughts, right, they're actually saying things, it's going to change a lot. And I think that it's the most human part of it. Um, especially I come from a screenwriting background. So when you're writing the script, uh, the only thing that makes it into the final cut of the movie from the script is the dialogue. Everything yeah. else is performative, right? Nobody's okay. going to read off the action or scene yeah. um, slugs, but the dialogue is going to make it through. Um, so it is the best interpretation of what's really intended to come out, I think. But I, yeah. I have a bias, obviously, and, and you called it out. <laughs> Well, and I think the thing that resonated with me was that you said um, when the dialogue is is at its best, it is, is, is in a way it's its own character. It 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 stands outside of the character. It resonates out. It's a line we use in daily life. It it, it transcends the film itself in a in a way, um, in the sense that um, there are lines we both say or other people say that we actually don't even know who the character was or that maybe even the movie in some cases, but we say the line, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I have a lot of family members who will say a, a famous quote and I'll say, do you know who that's from? And they'll say, no, but I, the, the, the line really does resonate with me. I get the point of it. So yeah. that is, 
it, my <laughs> i think uh what is it come with me if you want to live a lot of people yeah. know that from terminator 2 but don't know the terminator 1 you know reference a lot of people yeah. say get in the chopper so i've been saying <laughs> all schwarzenegger quotes but a lot of people haven't seen 80s action films so they don't yeah. know what they're from yeah. um and it's funny that it carries that pop culture resonance so yeah dialogue it does carry that extra weight that's a thanks for reminding me of that yeah so then we also have performance, visual, and audio, and these would be unique to movies. Um, the performance would be the acting, the interactions unique to the performance. The visual, this attribute includes how the story, characters, and setting are visually represented or presented on the screen. Um, the framing, the, the angles, the, um, any visualizations, that, you know, special effects, visual effects, all that. Um, you know, let me yeah. do a quick note. So obviously you see performances but visual needs to be about like visual acuity, angles of shots, uh, production value. But the, what the human beings do, just imagine that not counting towards visual. Uh, by the same token, audio, if there's a really lame line of dialogue, but boy, is it recorded really well over an amazing soundtrack. And the, you know, you heard it with perfect audio clarity, then audio gets a high score, right? So yeah. imagine yeah. that they're all just speaking a foreign language. You, that's how you rate audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, or or in, as in many uh, Christopher Nolan movies, you can't even hear what they're saying. <laughs> I, I didn't even want to say it, but I was thinking of the Garfield <laughs> Batman voice. The what do you want to kill me? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so that that's obviously a different style, and and some people are gonna like it, some aren't. Um, but yeah, the audio would include the sound and the music effects, um, and I think also you know. I think there is a, a dance between the audio and the visual in terms of the timing of the audio. If the, if the audio was off sync, you know, I think that would, that would be obviously something's wrong that. And so, um, so there's a, an interesting interaction between those two dynamics. A movie with subtitles, you're going to rate the dialogue differently than if you're a native speaker. That's, yeah. we know that's going to happen uh just the same way that um you might rate dialogue lower if the performance was also pretty crummy even yeah. if it's a really good line so yeah so let's um we'll we'll we, we'll run through the the second set of uh the audience attributes next but before we do let's talk let's kind of sit on the on these very on these values these movie values from the movie shapes um for a moment you know when you think about character story setting dialogue performance visual audio um, you know, what are some movies and we don't just have to do it in order, but just, you know, when you look at one of these, you know, what movies come to mind for you? I mentioned earlier that the rhythm section had high performance, I, um, particularly like Blake Lively's character, you know, resonated. Um, I think when you think of the dark Knight, you think of Heath Ledger's performance, um, you know, so what are, what are some that, that come to mind for you? We mentioned Zack Snyder for visual um, you might put Michael Bay in the visual group as well, <laughs> any of his movies. <laughs> I What I'll do is to make it kind of universal, I'm going to pick some that have plenty of awards to shore up my uh, assertions. So I could yeah. pick some deep cut films and people might say, oh, that's edgy. But I don't want to mess up the calibration. I really want people to say, okay, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, so for example, Silence of the Lambs is going to get a high dialogue rating right? Got like it. had really interactions between her Clarice and him kind of and, that. And yeah. Hannibal Lecter people, people still quote silence of the lambs. And, and when you watch yeah. it, it's very poignant 
in the dialogue and it, it was a uh, mm-hmm. best picture winner. Right. Yeah. So there was something to how it was said. Yeah. I, I uh, was, I'll throw, um, it's a TV show, but I'll throw Cobra Kai in the dialogue bucket. I, I love, yeah. I, that might explain why I love Cobra Kai so much. <laughs> dialogue, I mean, the dialogue is so iconic in such a great way for me. So. And I've heard a lot of criticisms of the performances. And what's funny is performance ranked low for me. So I'm thinking, yep, I'm, I am the most forgiving of the performance. Yeah. Yeah. But see, I, I am, I mean, I like the dialogue so much at Cobra Kai. I wanted to rewatch it and just write all the lines I love down. (laughs) That's fantastic. So, um, yeah, I will, I probably will watch that again. I'm thinking about writing a spec script to that. So, um, but if we think about setting, uh, a great example would be Lord of the Rings. People now associate New Zealand ubiquitously, uh, because the setting is so beautiful. It's so perfectly done. Uh, people, purchase uh set items you know like we you know i have a lord of the rings tattoo (laughs) yeah (laughs) right like uh so the setting was just crystal clear um and if we think about performance i mean you know we would want to look at something where you know multiple actors won awards from the same movie um so godfather would be a great example yeah where where people said godfather 2 right there was there was just great performances from multiple actors. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going on a sequence. Do you have any that you think of for like character story? Um, one that comes to mind for story would be Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, I just that's love. Great. Yeah, I just love the story um, structure and it's um, and it's um, it and the clarity is it is a very clarity oriented type of story. So that if I want to go into a subset. Um, character wise um man there's a lot of different different <laughs> ones to pick from um i might do something that was a little bit weirder um I mean, you know, i'll throw the x-men movies in in several but probably all of them in a, in a way because those characters move through them but you really care at least the main characters you get to know them and you care about them first class X-Men, apocalypse even I even the, say, even X-Men. the ones that aren't as good Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Everybody has a very clear and distinct personality. I was gonna say X2 is the one that was most critically acclaimed. I think it did the best at the box office, perhaps uh, per yeah. budget. But X2, very character-driven story, right? We know exactly yeah. who who is who and what do they want. Uh, so that's good. Yeah, and I'll even throw like there's a movie that um, a- Alien Resurrection um, ha- had a lot of problems and a lot of people uh, low, rated it low, but the characters in that um they're they're great um and the way they interact with each other and and who they are um and so that's for me like that's an example of like i can be more forgiving of those failures because if i enjoy the characters or they have depth you know that's that's something that works for me so yeah yeah memorable like colorful ensemble characters like infinity war and things like that so um all right. And then for visual, I'd like to think of movies where I do think that a lot of them were empty, but I, uh, I think a lot of people think of um, Avatar, uh, James Cameron for visual, because they're like, it just, it looked so real for such a CG film. Yeah. Even if they're like, man, that's, that story is Dances with Wolves. And that setting is, you know, mostly dependent on the quality of the visuals to make us really interested um, yeah. And I don't, I don't have a lot of dialogue lines I remember from the movie, but boy, do I remember the visuals from from Avatar, and, and I think the box office take from that <laughs> speaks to the quality of the visuals. Yeah, yeah, the high visual, and 
I guess on the on, for Avatar, I, I'd be curious. Um, the characters, there are a few characters that are interesting um, and worthwhile, but I think uh, I think when I think of it, when I think of Avatar, I think more of the story than I do the characters. Um, yeah. And I just but think, I'll, the- but but I think the setting, I would almost say maybe the setting transcends the story and the characters for Avatar. That's more memorable or worthwhile than the other two. I agree, and I would revisit the world even if they had completely new characters so if they were yeah. like yeah we're gonna make a new avatar movie it has nothing to do with the last one i'd be like okay well if it's yeah. gonna be in the same setting i'm interested yeah so and that might be um is that a similar dynamic with like james bond or mission impossible like you're rejoining those characters um yeah way. but that gets a little bit into the viewer attributes yeah i was thinking more star wars now that they've realized we don't have to tell skywalker stories anymore the setting is what matters in the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. for example. And yeah. yeah, they do pull back some characters. So they're, they're definitely doing that. But uh, yeah, the first of the Mandalorian is mostly just revisiting. Yeah. Them. But I would, I would for story, then I would put Lord of the Rings. Um, I mean, the characters are a big part of that, but there is this overarching epic that, that is driving the whole thing. I, the characters I don't know. I, I guess it feels more story driven than character driven in the overarching sense. It's it that is interesting because it's tough. That's one of those ones where it's going to be like, okay, one is a nine out of ten, and the other is a ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to to com- have them compete. Um, yeah. But when I think of audio, I think of actually surprisingly, um, I think of movies where we wouldn't think about it as much but like um indiana jones the raiders of the lost ark like we immediately know the mm-hmm. the music that john williams score for yeah. the dun, 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 and the whip yeah. crack and you know yeah. just the great sound effects and stuff like that mm-hmm. the the plane taking off it was the rumbling rocks all that stuff like yeah. it's so rich that's an audio movie all yeah the yeah, any and I think you got different types of audio. Um, again, I Lord of the Rings would be another one to put in there. Um, yeah, I sure. do think um, rewatching the X Men movies recently, the movie that had the the strongest audio was the Dark Phoenix. There was this sound um, that went with it. Um, I think most of the Christopher Nolan movies tend to have a strong. I mean, Tenet and Dunkirk and all of them, like Dark Knight Rises. I mean, there's this. Uh, inception these sa- the sound or this music that just it kind of gets into you in a way that um that sets it apart the thing that so we're getting into that trouble where we had to merge stuff together because they are very deep on soundtrack and sound effect but audio quality for the actual um performance capture for the dialogue was t- in most nolan films pretty lacking yeah yeah because it depends on how you're looking at it whether which layer which layer um audio clarity versus audio one of the other variables so uh anything that you wanted to add on the the movie attributes yeah i think the idea is just to kind of understand what these are we gave a few examples of each um but but ultimately you know as a movie viewer you have to figure out which is more important um for me um i guess we can just kind of quickly look at ourselves for me my top three um my top one is character and then story and then performance. Those would be my top three 
as a as a generic value um, for, you know between these these options. Um, my lowest would be setting. Okay, we both had a lowest setting. I was also high, I was high uh, in my top three in this order were dialogue, story, character. Mm -hmm. And the, the funny telling thing about that is those are the three pieces that really you could pull uh, out of a movie and have in a book, right? The dialogue, mm. the story and the character are gonna live in a book too. So it's kind of revealing that, hey, maybe I'm more drawn to really good adaptations or you know maybe I just, had been raised so much with books over or over uh, visual mediums media uh, that I have a bias. Yeah, although um, one thing that we both have on our top seven cross attributes. So when you take a movie value and attribute and you overlay them, we'll dive into that. But um, we both have audio impact in our top seven, yep. and so um, so I was surprised by that um, that that was as high for me as it ended up being. Cause it's number four for me and number seven for you. It, if a really perfect, um, you know, the bit of music welling up at a very emotional moment of a film, yeah. uh, it's going to get me. I think about yeah. in guardians of the galaxy when, um, Peter Quill grabs the infinity stone yeah. and then the whole soundtrack instantly changes. Um, that that's really emotional and that's just audio impact right there's not it's not this amazing song that we think of and like hum the melody so uh it's not just audio quality um and it's right so we could say like i'm not invested in it it's not familiar it's not pop culture so a, a great thing about gardens of the galaxy it's a movie filled with pop songs high relevance high investment mm. right yeah uh, but the most poignant moment of the film doesn't have a pop song for me uh, yeah. It just really clear, impactful music right at this critical point. So I think that's a great example. Yeah, cool. Well, let's jump to the audience attributes. So now we have um, uh, seven. They're they're uh, all bundled together in one group. So we got relevance, which is the degree to which the attribute is relevant to me, my interests, my current context, my past journey, and my future aspirations. Novelty, the degree of importance that the attribute is novel or uniquely presented in the particular attribute. It's different than what I've come to expect. Uh, the degree of importance, the elements, themes are uniform, self-contained and unambiguous is clarity. Um, impact, preference on the degree to which the movie has an intellectual, emotional, and physiological effect on me. Believability, the degree of importance that the movie's attribute is believable and where it's not, it effectively suspends my disbelief. Depth, the degree of importance that this attribute is deep, interconnected and not easily labeled or simply explained, complex. Investment, the degree of importance to which you can get a return on your investment while watching or rewatching it. By paying attention to the details, is there a reward? By rewatching, do these elements enrich in the experience? Is there ambiguity for me to own the interpretation as opposed to being exact, explicitly told? That investment could be external or internal, uh, I would add, um, in terms of um, you know, going into it with an investment versus the investment of the film itself, of the experience of watching it itself. Um, so what, uh, so these would be the, the seven audience attributes that we've defined um, that determine why we like a movie or why we don't, or why, um, and these would be, later we'll cross these with the other ones. So you have character clarity, character depth, character believability, or performance novelty, performance impact, um, or audio relevance. 
or um, uh, visual investment, whatever those cross attributes would be. But these are the the seven audience attributes. Anything you want to add to the to these? So this one's harder because these are the things where we these only exist because we have to be more specific about what's in a movie. Yeah. Um, these don't these don't make sense if we don't have the movie attributes. Um, so, um, the cool thing about them, if we want to talk about, um, how these work is that the best place to start to understand these is to look at a movie that scores high in most of its movie elements for one of these things. Right. Um, and sometimes it's good to actually look at movies that aren't so popular so that you can see an outlier. An outlier would be great. Yeah. Uh, so a good example is my brother. He loves movies that have tons of depth, even if they're very confusing. Yeah. So he loves, you know, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or Donnie yeah. Darko, right? Yeah. Weird movies are more likely to be deep. Yeah. Not because they're like emotionally, intellectually uh, deep, but just that there's a lot of stuff happening and there's a lot of things to try to to churn through just a whole yeah. material to chew on. Yeah. And I would agree with, or share that sentiment with him. And I would say, um, I, I actually, before I was doing the, before we did the movie shapes, I thought that I liked novelty because a lot of the movies that tend to have that depth are novel, but it wasn't actually the novelty that I liked. It was the depth. And so, that was an interesting uh, recognition um, when I realized the difference. That's a great thing to, to mention. So we had talked about how sometimes depth can compromise clarity, but we could also talk about how, for example, depth and novelty, they often come together, right? Because yeah. the more new stuff I throw in, the more total stuff there's going to be. Uh, just yeah. like clarity can help believability. The more, uh, I think a great example is Star Trek. Star Trek, a very classic Star Trek. Um, if there was something that they knew was going to bother the audience, they would quickly explain it clearly. Yeah. Oh, okay. If it wasn't scientifically perfect. They just say like, these are the rules of this piece of the yeah. science and it increased the believability, clarity yeah. and believability go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, although, yeah. although there are also times, I, I think you mentioned this one after we watched Tenet where there were some things, some things they clarified that actually made it less believable. <laughs> yeah. The, and I think that was conspicuous to me because I was watching Tenet with we were doing the movie shapes stuff yeah. for it uh and when i realized that believability was coming in low um i realized that some of it wasn't at the cost of clarity but that they were explaining things they were adding clarity that was mm-hmm. muddling the believability <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um so if you give an answer a science answer in a film and it creates new problems then you've only you know you've increased the depth Increase mm-hmm. the clarity, decrease the believability all at once. And if the invented invented um, answer is really new, like in Tenet, you've increased depth, clarity, and novelty while crushing believability. Yeah, yeah. And I think the idea is with some of these values, particularly I'll pick relevance. Uh, the movie may be relevant to me, but nobody else. Um, so that from a just a marketable standpoint, that's a challenge for making money. Um, but if it's highly relevant to a large amount of people, um, then you're going to have a higher relevance score across the group. And so um, there's also an aspect of this when it comes to the, the difference between the individual and the group um, and, and identifying 
perhaps segments or subsegments that um, that find it relevant, but also whether or not that's a popular film might be determined by some of those factors as well. Yeah, so you bring up a point that like um, a sequel film, a really good sequel film can have higher relevance. It can have higher impact because now you have an emotional attachment and uh, you can have higher investment, right? Because it's going to weave with other films. It can. Some sequels don't do a good job. Like someone watching Endgame after watching all the other movies can now have a higher return on, on the investment of that experience than if right. they just watched Endgame without ever watching anything before it. So a good example of how that works would be if you already like superhero movies, it's already relevant, even if you haven't watched the other ones. Yeah. Um, Assuming and, you like superhero movies. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> but if you don't like superhero movies in general, but you've seen all the Marvel films, it's lower relevance score to you, but it's going to have a higher investment score. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the next thing is, is a lot of times those ones going up relevance, impact and investment can lower novelty because familiarity is often the thing that makes us like those things more, right? By the seventh Harry Potter book, there's a formula or yeah. I should say the seventh and eighth Harry Potter films. There's a formula. Yeah. And that formula That's is going to lower novelty. It, yeah. it does by design, but man, those other, those other traits go up. So sometimes there's yeah. a cost. Yeah. And so if you want a character and that's where you could also slice and dice and go, well, perhaps you create familiarity in the setting and then you change up the characters or you change up the story. You know, there's ways to sort of allow for some very variety without being sacrificing entirely one particular area as a creator, at least. Um, So I guess what are some, some movies that kind of jump into these buckets? Um, when I think of impact, um, you know, the impact can be different angles. So it could be, it could scare you. It could make you cry. It can make you scream. Yeah. Um, it can make you laugh. Right. Um, but like when I thought about like, what are the highest impact movies that I could think of um, that were more on the, um, the tension side of things. So I thought uncut gems, um, like that movie had such high impact. It was, and I love impact. It was almost unbearable. It was fatigue. Um, it was, yeah. Like, but that was, I kind of liked that, but then it was like, you're taking me even beyond my comfort or gravity or the revenant. Like those are similar ones where it's just this onslaught. They don't, the movie never lets you go. And, and I love that experience, but yeah, there it's uh, worrisome to, to watch a movie like that. Um, uh-huh. You just reminded me of um, if I think about impact, I think about the prestige Yeah. where Mm. there are so many things like there are things I see, there are things I hear, there are characters and story elements, visuals, and just so many things that happen in there where I'm like, oh, it got me so hard right there. So lines of dialogue where you're like, oh. And the culmination of it where it, like there could be yeah, momentary, like the conclusion of, prestige is like a high impact moment um yeah and i recently watched casino royale and i i forgotten what happened the first time i watched it so when i rewatched it i was impacted all over again in the third act by this surprise that i didn't see coming <laughs> a good that's a good example casino royale was a big impact one and that's why it broke the genre right like people yeah. were not expecting to have an emotional reaction to a james bond film <laughs> yeah they were expecting high relevance um low clarity 
uh, and just a whole lot of relevance and investment, right? Like they're just, they're super into the IP. They're going to see novelty. There's going to be some new areas, uh, yeah. you know, for setting, there's going to be some new story, but ultimately yeah. the same characters. And so th that's a, that's a good example. Yeah. And, uh, I guess just to, to pause a moment here to step back before we do more movies, um, for me, my number one is impact. Um, my number two is depth and number three is clarity. So, um, so impact, depth, clarity would be my top three. And then my last is novelty. That's my lowest. So, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Cause we do have the same top three, not in the same order. I'm clarity, impact, depth. Um, but uh, the next thing is my lowest one is investment. Yeah. Uh, I can be, I can see something that's like completely new to me. I guess the best example is sometimes I'll walk in on my kids' movies. And if it, if what's happening is super clear, out of context, but what's happening emotionally. In the moment of the movie? In the moment, yeah. Is really clear and impactful and deep, then I will be sucked in with no other context yeah. so my investment's super low but as long as the people are sometimes it's as simple as like this person's like i'm saying this this is my emotional journey of the film and i'm immediately like i don't even have to see the rest of the film yeah take, i feel you. like a lot of the pixar movies are like that <laughs> kids they put are. it on all of a sudden i'm watching it with them you know? <laughs> it's, well that's true um a good example is um i was talking before we had the podcast about the movie onward uh yeah. and quite a lot of it has some pretty distinct flaws um the emotional journey of the film is stated outright there's the moment where the tom holland character literally starts checking off a list of here's the emotional journey of the film and it yeah. shows you the list and then the moment in the film where that happened and if i come into the movie at like that point i'm basically taking the whole journey in that very clear and impactful yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and it was a high impact moment yeah so, um, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, but I think with, I guess with investment, um, that would be number, that would mean, I guess, so novelty is my lowest and then that's my second lowest, but, um, but I, when, when I look at it more specifically, I have a higher investment for story and character, but I have a lower investment for the other, you know, visual audio performance dialogue. It's imbalanced. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's, I shouldn't say amounts. It's not, it's not. A, yeah, a, so I actually like more novelty in the performance in audio than I do in my characters and story. Interesting, because I like almost every John Williams soundtrack, even if it's the same instruments and the novelty on the audio. Oh, okay, well. yeah. So, and for impact, see, I have uh, the setting can have a low impact, but my highest is character impact, and then uh, and then dialogue and performance impact would be after that. So. Um, like a good dialogue impact for me, you know, the, a line that just hits me in a way that, that does its job is good. So like, um, the <laughs> scene in Rocky Balboa where he's talking to his son and he gives that monologue, it's, it's like he was talking to me, you know? So, oh yeah, I absolutely understand that. I, um, I get that also from books and I think that's why, uh, that's dialogue impact. Yeah. Um, that is my number two and your number five. So I think we both have that. Uh, like if, if it feels like they're talking through the screen to you, then it's good. It's going to immediately, I'm going to yeah. resonate with it. I almost, sometimes I almost get mad that they can succeed with it. I'm thinking like you're cheating, but it still works. Yeah. yeah. 
Now relevance, even though it's lower for me, um, I mean, it's not, it's in the middle, I guess, but the, the aspect of relevance I care most is character relevance. So I want to relate to the character. Um, whereas visual and audio relevance is, is lower. So I see that in you personally, that if, if it's not character relevance, then you're not yeah. asking, you're not asking more than they can do. Yeah. Um, so what are some other movies, uh, in this, uh, the buckets here? Um, I, for clarity, the thing, I guess a movie that comes to mind is a new hope. I feel like that's a very, uh, good example. Um, just the characters and just sort of, for them even is... across the board of, of variables. Yes. Yes. Something that worked really well for them was that George Lucas, you know, people have joked about how on the nose the dialogue could be at times. Uh, But what's great is that some of the sci-fi elements by having uh, classically trained actors like Sir Alec Guinness in the film, they're going to ask you to make it a little less uh, heavy on the sci-fi world building, but you can add clarity that way. Um, So what's cool is a lot of what people thought was novelty in Star Wars wasn't. It had come from things like, um, was it Flash Gordon and things like that? Okay, yeah. Uh, but people didn't know that it wasn't novel. So the, the assembly of the parts was new to them. And it was crystal yeah. clear what was happening. So the average person could appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, that's, it, it's, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on there. Um, Cause you have a lot of high novelty as well. Um, but that novelty, if you watch new hope now and you've watched everything else, if you, if you're new to a new hope, the novelty kind of is not there anymore. So it's an interesting dynamic that's changed as an example. But the clarity is high enough that my daughter, she's four. And when we watch star Wars together, she can tell me exactly what's happening in the film. In fact, sometimes it's so clear that I'm clouded by all my pop culture judgments about star Wars. Now I've Mm. talked about star Wars more than I've watched it now. (laughs) Yeah. But she says things like um, we watched Return of the Jedi and she said, oh, Darth Vader doesn't want to kill Luke Skywalker. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, this is a scene where he's he's seeming like he wants to. And she's like, you know, she's four and she's still like, no, I feel like he's holding back. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. you're four, but it's super clear to, to your untrained eye yeah. that Darth, if Darth Vader really wanted to kill Luke Skywalker, he'd be he'd be all in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one would be Back to the Future, the first one. Yeah, the first one. I was going to say, it gets a little crazy, but... The second one's a lot uh, lower on clarity, I would say, but um, but the first one, for sure. 1.21 gigawatts, 88 miles an hour, <laughs> when the clock strikes exactly this time. The uh, Repetition is something that really helps clarity. So you bring up yeah. something. Uh, Back to the Future uses repetition, right? Mm-hmm. They say, we have to be going this fast at exactly this time, and they, yeah. they beat that over the head. Uh, they say the characters' names over and over. They'll be because you know there's a past version and a present version of each character, so they'll look right at somebody and be like, "Biff, Biff, Biff." Yeah. <laughs> so like, okay, this guy's Biff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The first in uh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark be another one that comes to mind for clarity. Yeah, and sometimes it can mess up believability because sometimes people will be like, wait a second, the villain's just going to state their entire plan out loud for everybody. And <laughs> that can crush believability. But I do like those moments where they're like, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark overcomes that by having villains who think they've already won. So mm-hmm. if they do think they've already won, their statement of the plan is not that much of a sacrifice. Yeah. Um, whereas there are other movies where the villain 
they really shouldn't um and it turns into tropes so yeah if you want yeah. to talk about bad cliches and where that hurts a movie um that would be you know it's going to lower the believability it's going to lower the novelty right if you yeah. value novelty and you see a cliche that's going to be bad right yeah that's a good point um a movie that comes to mind for novelty would be logan and when you compare it against other films in that genre i guess if um in terms of superhero films it's got a Although there is, when you look at the second half, there is a little bit more familiarity, but I would say the first half of it specifically is maybe got a higher novelty. Right, because they went for rated R because Deadpool had succeeded, but Deadpool was funny and, and Logan's not funny. Yeah, it's a serious, it's a very, but it's also a high high, high impact movie. Um, it and Another example, high impact, that's kind of along the lines of Logan is um, the end of Ender's Game. Yeah. Um, I never read the book. So when I, when the ending happened, it was like, like I was, it was like a gut punch for me. So <laughs> yeah, a part of you, a part of you dies when you get to the end of Ender's game in the movie yeah. or the book. I think that, I think everybody should have to get to the end of Ender's game <laughs> organic, yeah. no spoilers and, and realize, because even though somebody told me like, Oh man, it's going to get you. When I read it, I was like, Oh, I thought I knew what was going to get me and I didn't. So mm. <laughs> Um, believability i don't know saving private ryan um would probably be one that yeah yeah sticks out that's a great example man i think you picked maybe one of the best ones um there are some where the believability is high and it contradicts it contradicts reality and we have to now mm. grapple with high believability films that are not they're not factual um yeah so or that's so believable that it, it even though it's not yeah uh i guess what was it um I'm, i gotta think of one that's extremely believable but not uh factual so i'm trying to think of maybe bio biographical films or mm. uh mm, i was gonna say you know what's funny is i think um like oh, fargo that's a good one because go. it's based on a true story but it's not a true story <laughs> Yeah, it like it very quickly is allows itself to deviate into completely yeah. territory. So that's a that Fargo is the best example. I think you chose spot on. Yeah, um, Ford versus Ferrari. That would probably be a high of believability. Yeah, yeah, I think that that works. Um, I think what's funny is that sometimes what makes believability goes go up is dependent on the genre. Um, so yeah. if something claims to be based on a true story. The believability goes up the more normal people act. But in a fictional <laughs> yeah. film, the believability goes up the more crazy yeah. they act. Well, and here's a good... So I, uh, I've i seen the old... Or the 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 unbelievable Fantastic Fours. Um, yeah. You know, they're very kind of cartoony. Um, but then they did the new one. And that's very grounded and more believable. So there's a distinct difference between the two films. Um, but the newer one is definitely uh, a different level of believability. So, Right. That's a challenge is the groundedness of a film. Um, I have to think, you know, outside my own box because dialogue believability is the only one in my top seven for believability. Um, but believability is still my third highest, oh, fourth highest attribute. Um, so yeah. it, it is right there in the middle, right? make me suspend my disbelief yeah but the groundedness of a movie is interesting because if i watch the movie 300 there are sort of like <laughs> yeah bizarro physics to the to the world um mm. 
but they're uh, yeah. still they still die at the end of the movie uh spoiler yeah alert. and you could have character believability but then the setting or the story's not right yeah right the moon in 300 is you know 800 times the size of the sun in our sky uh you know because it, it takes up the entire landscape yeah. but it, it's beautiful right so it's very yeah. novel it's very clear um it's very deep and you're like oh what rich visuals right so it's yeah. great believability yes. there is low but yeah. the characters stay and they die it's very grounded in that way yeah yeah um okay so depth what are some movies that come to mind um for that um well i named those ones earlier like those sort of yuppie you know i don't know indie sci-fi films from the 2000s yeah. so i was thinking uh indiana jones and the last crusade comes to mind as one you do have to know a little bit more of biblical <laughs> theology. yeah there might be a higher relevance factor there for me than for i was others. gonna say that exactly um and you do have to have a little bit of the investment for it to be deep right to understand the relationships yeah. between the characters. i i would i would categorically say that the X-Men movies are have a more of a depth than the Marvel universe. And so I tend to gravitate towards those, but I think Marvel. the Disney Marvel. Uh, yeah. But although I do think that WandaVision may be sort of breaking that trend. So we'll see how that, that goes. It's going to be interesting because um, I think JJ Abrams, tr I wouldn't say tries, but some, he does like to make movies that seem to have more depth, but don't explore all of it. Right. So yeah. they might have, medium depth but low clarity yeah. um that would be a good example um because the force awakens it it did have some complex storylines that are opened up but they're not ever answered so it doesn't achieve full depth the way that we might look at um a movie like memento and be like oh my god that's an extreme that's like a, a you know as deep as they go right like this guy is purposely yeah. deceiving himself uh, because he wants to feel vindication for his wife mm -hmm. leaving him. So he, you know, it's, it's deep. You could think about, we could talk about it for two hours and we still wouldn't really explore. Yeah. The yeah another movie we both seen together, uh, first man. Um, yeah. That's deep. Um, yeah. is another one. Uh, silence is another one. Martin Scorsese. Um, and, and yeah, you could have different levels of depth, story, character, uh, performance, whatever it might be um yeah and i'm trying to mostly stick to ones that do have a variety of attributes that are kind of deep. a broader yeah so i think the godfather right people are like oh my gosh the depth of those performances the depth and range of the audio and the, the shots yeah. right so yeah yeah back to your point about the universality of it so um what about which ones have we missed here i think we've explored them all to some degree yeah so let's jump in. Um, let's talk about the profile. Um, so now that people understand what the variables are and a little bit of some examples, what we want to do is for people to create a profile of themselves so they know where they intersect with these variables. And, and then also to be able to, at least in a quick hand, be able to evaluate movies. So um, there's really three ways that people can start to build their movie shape for themselves. The first is just a profile hierarchy. Just, you know, there are seven movie values. There's seven audience attributes. Just get a notepad and write down the seven in the order that they're important to you. I care about character over performance or visual over setting, vice versa, whatever. And that's really where we started. Yeah. <laughs> um, so organic. So, 
yeah, it's take a notepad and write down or wherever you want to do it, but just, and I, you could even do just the top three. You know what? I care most about character, um, performance and story or whatever. Um, and, and, and that's a starting point. Um, the second level is we have a simple and a complete profile. Um, the simple profile is you've got the seven attributes and this is actually where you can create a shape and you can go in here and between one and five, you score each of the seven attributes. Um, you could say, you know what relevance I'm a one, um, or novelty, I'm a one. Relevance, I'm a five. Believability, I'm a two. Depth, I'm a three point five. Clarity, I'm a. And um, to be clear, you don't. It, there's no perfect distribution, so yeah. it doesn't have to be like there's one one and two twos and like one yeah. five. You can be kind of arbitrary about it. Yeah, as long as you um, stay between one and five, and then the total is under twenty one then uh, then you're good to go. Distribute it however you like. Um, and this is the quick profile. And then, and you'll notice, you know, I've created a quick shape here on the left. Um, and, and then I'll make one, you know, on the, on the right here. Um, <laughs> and the challenging thing is if you're a really, this is mostly gonna be movie enthusiasts. So it's gonna be challenging to like kill your darling sometimes where you're like, oh, I love everything about movies. Yeah. It's going to be that moment where you're like, okay, I have to admit that I like these movies and they have crappy dialogue or, or bad visuals and I still love them. Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead and drop that score a little bit just so that we have a distinct shape. Yeah. And one thing you might try doing um, is, is you start, uh, you know, everything starts as a three. So what you could do is, um, you know, pick two that pick two or three that are ones you know, you know, they don't have to stay there, but say, you know what, investment's the least importance, um, novelty, relevance, and then clarity, impact, believability are most important. So now you've got these kind of poles that you can kind of lean on and then you go, well, you know, clarity is not the most important impact is. So I'm going to move that to four. Believability is in the middle. So I'm going to move that to 4.5. I can move up uh, relevance 1.5. So you can start to, to shape it in uh, different ways and then you get down to your um you know your score of 21. um so you can work that um but this is just a quick and easy way to build a shape it's a less sophisticated because the the attributes are not overlapping but it still gives you a starting point um it gives you a shape that you can start with and you can do this within you know a few minutes um so this is the simple way um any any thoughts on any thoughts on that before we jump to the complete complex one? No, in fact, I encourage people to if they if they want to to do all three exercises in order. Start by listing their attributes in that range from one to seven. Yeah, because it, it only takes a few seconds. And even if you're yeah. going to do the complex profile, consider doing the simple one first. Take you know it goes one minute for the the list. Take yeah. five minutes for this um, simple version. And then you've got a framework so that when you get into the advanced one, you're thinking, okay, well, I already know generally where I need to end up. And then you're not splitting hairs right off the bat. You don't want to be overwhelmed. This yeah. is supposed to be useful and insightful, uh, not confusing. Okay. So um, I got buttons all over the website. It just says movie shapes assessment prototype. You just click that. It's going to take you to this spreadsheet. Uh, it's a Google doc. Just hit file, make a copy rename it with your name. 
Um, and then you can see down to the bottom, we've got a few different tabs. Um, we've got the simple profile and then the complete. We also allow you to have a friend's profile in here if you want to, and then we got a profile comparison. Mm -hmm. So you can compare uh, your, yourself like me and Addison have. And then I've got a, a, a complex, a complete movie profile uh, tab in there and then a log if you want to use that. But let's jump into the complete profile. Um, the couple, uh, essentially what you want to do is there are 49 attributes, seven, uh, you know, movie values, seven audience attributes, and then they overlay in a matrix. And we've got seven. And you can see that they tally up on the ends, the bottom, and then the right. Um, and then the total is you want to keep the number under 147. And then no, you just at like, yeah, at what I say under, yeah, I guess at. So keep it at 147. And then you send, you want to keep these between one and five. And um, like I mentioned in the other one, I because there's so many, pick five that are like your top ones. You're like, you know what? Um, character impact is high for me. Visual impact, um, performance depth is big. Setting novelty is big. You know, pick your, your fives. Then, then do your ones, um, do about five ones. And again, these, this acts as your polls to give you a starting point. Okay, now you have something to compare with and start walking through this. Um, really, you're gonna look through this, the, the lens of least important to most important. One is least important, five is most important. And then you can do uh, any, any fractional amount between those. Um, a couple tips that we can run through. Um, uh, like I said, um, look at one thing that helped me is to go through it in a column. Okay. For character, what were the things that are important? And then I would go through it and then I did story and then I did setting and then I did dialogue and I went on and on. And then I did it the other way, relevance. And then I went across novelty, went across, and I just kept refining it by looking at it that way. Like Addison mentioned earlier, pick your favorite movie moments or movies and think about what is it about them that, that you like. Um, Another thing at, that's important, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, is not just um, what you like, but what they do best will help you because sometimes you'll realize, oh, I like a movie that's weak in other areas. So, mm, yeah. So um, look at the tallies. So look at your, you know, for clarity, you're at, or uh, let's say novelty, we're at 21 here and impact, we're at 23. Does that feel right that you like impact more than novelty? If not, then look at, look at the, the numbers and reevaluate it. Um, look, uh, the, um, feel free to, you know, compare, like one thing I would do is I would go, okay, these, I need to, if I'm not at 47, so let me do like four here. So I'm at 148. Like, man, I need to get rid of a point. So setting and dialogue, what if I, um, are those really the same? So I might compare two cross variables, go, you know what? I can get 2.5 out of that one. And then uh, 2.25 out of this one. And you can kind of start to, to knock out a little bit at a time. Um, you know, feel free to do your profile and then come back and revisit it, um, refine it, refine it. Down, if you scroll down after you've been making it, um, let me do a couple more uh, changes here. Uh, 2.5. All right. Um, you'll see that you have your shape down here below. So you got your audience attribute profile shape and then your movie shape. 
all the changes I made is kind of showing you this, but you can actually dive into every uh, section. So I can look at my character preferences. In this case, my character preference is a high investment. Um, I'll actually pull up my profile so I can show you mine. So my character preferences um, is depth is the highest. You can see I have a, actually have a shape for each each movie value. My story preference looks like a heart. <laughs> That's uh, I didn't notice that. Uh, my setting preference, relevance and investments seem to be the highest there. Dialogue preference, um, my performance preference, my visual preference, my audio, and then so you can look at the shape and go, do these shapes feel right? Do they look right? You know, it's a visual way because sometimes when you're just looking at numbers, it's kind of hard to tell but if i can go down here and look at the shape it gives me another way to just evaluate it and so this is the complete profile um if uh, like we mentioned if you just want to do a ranking you can use this column and and the blue column just to do a one through seven ranking um that just gives you a place to do it if you don't want to do it in notepad you can do it here and then come back and do the full profile later um if you hover over these columns you know you get a little description of each one. Um, and then on the right here, you get the, the description of the, uh, the rows relevance, and then you get the, these are the same ones that are on the website. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, the complete profile um, and some I tips on how to do that. Yeah. I would recommend for the complete profile, the way I approached it is in like two 30 minute sessions. Yeah. I sat down for like 30 minutes. My number didn't come out to exactly 147 but I felt like I was as honest as I could be with myself right yeah. off the bat. Then this is no joke. I, I took some time and just watched more movies and yeah. shows. Came back and I was like, you know what? I could chip a half a point off of this. Yeah. And that's uh, like one thing I've been doing on my letterbox account. I'll do a review and then I just write the top and we'll get to this in a minute more, but just in terms of using it for movies. What are the top movie values of this movie and the top audience preferences? Um, and and I just put that in as my review. So it just gives me a, a place to practice it um, and uh, and figure out what it is I like. Now that would that would be our goal is that the community would would essentially rate movies um, in certain ways. Like this is a high impact movie or this is a high dialogue. Uh, dialogue worthwhile movie or this is a visual worthwhile movie and, and and while we may have our own shape for that movie as a community we would also build a shape and that would allow people to find movies like i think about all the movies that i i would love but i just don't know they exist and i feel like they are lost because i i can't find them so as a and community we have an opportunity to, to help share movies with each other that are based on the shapes Yes, and in a and in a better way than we can do now, because like we had said at the beginning, there's always that risk that somebody's like, "Oh, you liked that one, um, you know, Tom Cruise movie, so you must love Tom Cruise movies," and they're missing they're missing the more essential yeah. point of what you liked about that movie. Yeah. Uh, so, because a Magnolia or a Jerry Maguire or Tom Cruise is very different than, you know, where the worlds are uh, Mission Impossible. Mission you know. <laughs> yeah. But, those are yeah, Mission Impossible exactly. Yeah. So those are different, and people will have a easier time understanding with this tool. Um, and hopefully, we get to the point where we can leverage machine learning and AI to actually figure out the answers for us after a point. 
yeah. um, watch our movie watching behavior, hopefully across channels. Um, and we get something better than, you know, them just saying like, oh, people, you know, Netflix was like, uh, people liked, um, what was Bird Box again? They were like, oh, people like horror movies and people like yeah. Sandra Bullock. So we're going to make a Sandra yeah. Bullock movie. And yeah. that movie hasn't stood the test of time, really. It's not everybody's favorite movie anymore. It just had that brief moment. Yeah. Maybe we can get to suggesting, hey, uh, a lot of people, there's a whole market for people who really like depth of character. And we're just not making a lot of movies like that. Maybe Netflix can pivot that way mm -hmm. uh, rather than just yeah. giving us Sandra Bullock horror. <laughs> yeah. And it's there's also a, uh, a trust factor, like with Netflix, it recommends movies. But it's like, well, do you really know me enough to make a recommendation because i don't believe it um but if it was like you know what jason you like uh you know depth um story or whatever my it look it could look at my graph and go you know what there are four movies you haven't seen that are almost like an 80 percent match you would like these and then and then i've got a way to trust that because it's not just this hidden algorithm that i don't even know what's going on it's it's more of a two-way communication street so exactly um anything else before we jump to rating movies no that's that's great yeah so the next step would be once you have your profile now it's you know rating movies and uh there's a quick rating method that i've been using uh, i'll just pick the top three movie values and the top three audience attributes of a movie um so I, on the website, one example is Bushwick. Um, I watched it around when we were working on this and I, I identified the top three movie values were visual setting and performance. The performance mm -hmm. matches my value. So visual and setting are not top uh, values for me, but performances. Um, and then the audience attributes impact matched and then it was novelty and clarity. So clarity and impact matched for me. Um, so I enjoyed the movie. Um, I had enough uh, overlap that it made it enjoyable. Um, but that would, if someone doesn't share those, you know, if someone doesn't share any of these, then they may not like the movie at all for those reasons. So I wouldn't recommend it to them and, and they shouldn't recommend it to me, but if it does have it. So if I come across somebody who's movie profile their top three is visual setting performance and then their top three audience attributes is impact novel to clarity like this movie was made for them so <laughs> i would recommend it and um and so it's not always going to be that perfect but um the movie itself got like a 5.2 score on imdb based on that i i may not have watched it but if i saw the values was enough of a match then then i would have fantastic and so. what, what I think is great about the movie rating piece is that um, it gives us a different lens to watch a movie through. So sometimes what can be challenging is we watch a movie and we don't like it and we don't know why. But here's the weird thing is that what if you could enjoy movies that you'd otherwise not enjoy? What if you could put on the lens of, OK, I'm watching this movie and it's strong and visual and setting. I'm going to watch as a visual and setting yeah. uh, audience member. Uh, I felt like I had that experience for Tenet. I was watching Tenet and we said we were going to rate it. And uh, I was rating it as we were watching and, and kind of being an observer. And I realized that there were some things that I didn't enjoy about the film, but I was able to say, okay, well, where can, where is this film strong? What is the movie value? 
Yeah. And how can I study that more? How can I put more weight on that? And um, it helped me open up as an audience member a little bit. I got more enjoyment from the film, which was to my benefit. I don't, I don't lose anything from that. Yeah. Yeah. So just again, you can, you can do it. Like I showed, I'm doing this in letterbox, just uh, writing, you know, top three for each. You can follow me there. Um, but also just, you could write it down. And if you use Evernote or somewhere else, if you prefer to do that, but just have a place where you just start to do it. I, there is on this, on the, uh, the spreadsheet, there is a quick movie log. So you can just write the movie name and then the top three values and audience attributes. If you want to use that as a log instead, um, that's the quick way to do it. If you want to do a full profile, like, uh, like the complete, um, profile of, of yourself you can also do one for uh for a movie as well obviously that might take you 30 or 60 minutes so it's a lot of time to invest um but if it's like your favorite movie you know or you're writing a review about it you know that might be worthwhile to understand it or if you're writing an article and you want to dive into some aspects of it that's a way to to do that there is a little bit of a difference on the audience attributes um the the just the way i frame it is um the when you're doing a move when you're doing your profile it's the importance is the scale how important is it high or low but when you're doing a movie it's about worthwhileness so how worthwhile is this element of the movie the character investment is uh, worthwhile the visual investment is worthwhile one to five um, so it's a little bit different framing but the idea is is to create to frame them both in a way that that makes logical sense to how you look at a movie or how you profile yourself. Um, That's important. So, it's important to mention that stick there for a second, because it is not just a qualitative scoring of the film. You're getting yeah. a shape of the film, which means that we're going to pretend that two movies with a similar shape, one is better than the other, but they still form the same shape. And that is kind of, that's a kind of an arbitrary designation that we make because there's tons of, of systems that already exist to say the Godfather is better than, you know, Transformers 2. Yeah. Um, we don't need, we don't need another system for that, but yeah. we could say, um, cool. What do, uh, what do these movies actually have as their strong and weak suits? What is worthwhile or not for the film? Yeah. And, and you could create a shape, and then also not like the film, or you could create the shape right. and like the film. So the, the liking, it doesn't necessarily determine it. You could also create the shape and then rate it from like one, one to five stars. Um, or uh, um, yeah, I think on Rotten Tomatoes, one to five, Letterboxd, one to five. Uh, and IMDb is one to 10. But you can rate it, like it, and then shape it. Um, and then if you do all three, then you should have a good idea of kind of that you have a more complete view of that movie than simply thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, and, and that's, that's a big part of it. So anything else you would add before we wrap up here? No, this is fantastic. Um, so just to kind of overlay, you can see here, uh, you know, Addison's shapes, my shape on the website at movieshapes.com. Um, and it's got all the information, links, resources. You can see our shapes. Um, compare them uh, with each other, see where we're different, where we're similar, what our top seven cross attributes are. Um, Addison's top three is dialogue clarity, dialogue impact, and dialogue believability. And then <laughs> mine is character depth, character impact, and story depth. And um, so you can see that we've got a few links to Letterboxd, Scener. We've been using Scener to do virtual movie watching. 
real good for tracking um, TV shows, uh, a couple uh, articles, and then we'd love to have your feedback. So we've got a contact form. You just fill out your name and your email and, and then share your feedback on how to make movie shapes better. And we'd love to get that and uh, hear what you have to say. If you have a movie shape, you want to share it with us, send it on over. Excellent. Um, we got links to me and Addison's uh, social channels. If you want to check those out, websites, uh, you can follow those. And uh, any final words before we uh, finish? No, I uh, hope that this helps people enjoy movies more. And it certainly has helped me appreciate, um, I think, other movie viewers. Instead of thinking, are they insane or are they watching a different yeah. movie or are their eyes broken? I think like, wow, there's a lot more that I could, uh, I could try as a movie watcher. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Well, thank you most, so much for joining us again. Check out movie shapes, a better way to find review and share movies you love or don't movieshapes.com. And, uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of share life for additional stories and systems to live better and work smarter visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. We look forward to having you listen in on the next episode of Share Life.